Dear Officer Selby, we're watching the show. We cannot help but wonder, hey, where did you go? You used to be on this, but now we don't know. Hey, Officer Selby, Selb, yo. That's a slight stretch, and I'm getting nothing out of you, John Marbury. No, just deep appreciation. <laughs> just <laughs> solemnity. Just yeah. uh, as though you were at a military funeral, your eyes downcast. <laughs> I was trying to you're, think of a fun response, and I had nothing because he doesn't say anything the whole song. I guess that's true. Yeah, he has no retort to any of these little kids. And we are strictly bound to what was canonical in the musical well, West Side Story. Well, that's what makes a good illusion. Sure, that's true. Otherwise, but let's I'm just do it again. stuff. No, yeah, I don't want to do say something. It again. Let's... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I already messed up the... I didn't have nothing in the first time. <laughs> Welcome what? to Mad About Mad About You, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> You're Mad About You Recap Podcast. I'm Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And we are happy to be here with you again. Two weeks away, John. Did you have a great time? Uh, Are you well I rested? Got, uh, so many things done. I went to Tahiti for for a month. Feels I, uh, good, right? Oh, sure does. I have a beautiful. I went to tan. Roma. Where? I went to Roma. Oh, good for you. Did you eat some noodles? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's mostly what I did there. Nobody calls it noodles. I wonder what would happen if you were to go to Italy <laughs> and order. just say hi. Can I just have the noodles? Yeah. Nobody, I like that noodles in a bowl. How, right. How, what kind, how, do you, how do you like, what are your best noodles? Bowl noodles or plate noodles, sir? I don't, I don't think that's pertinent. <laughs> but you said you went to Tahiti. Yeah, not really, though. <laughs> I like the way I'm bringing it back. No, but I'm sorry. I was joking about Rome. Yeah. Let's get serious. You actually went to Tahiti. <laughs> For a month, they said. <laughs> For a month in these two weeks. Yeah, it was a time joke. I love it in on all levels, John. There's only great. one level to appreciate it on, and you did it, so... <laughs> you didn't. So don't lie to me. Yeah. <laughs> Respect me enough to not lie to my oh, face. It's like I used to do sometimes bad plays, and the director would uh -huh. be... They're supposed to be hysterical, and then the audience right. would be silent, and the director would always come backstage and be like, oh, they love it. They're just listening really hard, because they don't want to oh, miss a joke. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't lie to me, lady. That's oh, that's adorable and tragic. I yeah. There's uh, nothing you want more than a, a laugh that's so controlled it's inaudible. Yeah. <laughs> I do like. I remember watching Thirty Rock and being like, I need to rewind this episode. So me because too, I've quite honestly. I missed I missed four jokes because I was laughing too hard. Speaking of at the first one. Well, we'll get to it. Will we? Yeah, we will. Uh oh, I'm not sure we're gonna get to. We'll get there. Do you know something I don't know? Yeah, clearly. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, no, I thought you were going to be like, uh, so uh, speaking of, this episode takes place in 30 Rockefeller Center and Alec Baldwin's in it. And I was going to be like, I don't remember those things. So No, it's not that. Good. It's good, good, close. Good. It's close. Oh, boy. Okay. So 
This is episode 48 of Mad About Mad About You. We are talking about season three, episode two, an episode called Home. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that is an allusion to what E.T. would phone? No. Okay. Do you think it's an allusion to that song from like 2000 and... 10 or whatever. You know, that was the or first five. thing that I thought too, but I can't remember who wrote that. Yeah, me neither. But, uh, Something Travelers? But yeah. Is it one of those? You know what? Uh, maybe. Google Home. <laughs> See if the, what the if it comes home? up. I'm going to lose my mind. Is Home Depot a band? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, All right. You, let's you let's know, try Home. You, I got to tell you. You Google something this vague and you get a real eclectic mix of links. Home what do you think studios, it is? Uh, which is, I think, a recording studio. Also, I'm like, what is it? Is it 65% pornography? This might shock you. Zero. Wow. I, that does shock me since it's the internet we're talking about. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a bunch of links for horny contractors. <laughs> I think I left my plans in the bedroom. <laughs> Actually, speaking of, it sounded like we're describing a scene from Jungle Fever. Yeah, it's not. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Oh, Wesley Snipes and Annabella Scuria sure know their way around an architect's desk. <laughs> I have never seen that movie. What? Oh, then you'd be laughing harder. I'm sure. Can I tell you something? In my brain, I literally was like, oh, that explains it. Wait, what does it explain? Your lack of reaction. Ah, okay, great. I thought you were like, Russ seems like the kind of guy who's never seen Jungle Fever, uh, if you know what uh, I mean. Yeah, come on, man. Get with it. Get a clue. <laughs> Get <laughs> Hip up. Um, Do you want to talk about the thing that you said you wanted to maybe talk about during it's, the Ask Me What I Did section? It's or? boring now. It doesn't okay. matter. I had an altercation... Not altercation. FedEx. Uh, let's start. Uh, should we start a uh, war? A commerce war? Hey, FedEx. Of course we should. FedEx stinks. FedEx, we're calling you out. I've been waiting for dining room chairs. Dining room chairs. They're cheapies from Home Depot or whatever. Sure. I mean, they're not cheap, cheap. They're a little nice. Right. And I ordered. A By the way, we have to stop. We have to stop mentioning Home Depot. <laughs> That's already twice. And if they're not going to throw us any change, <laughs> then they don't get any more free advertising. Yeah, we want Go that, ahead. Whatever. Whatever the twenty percent off is. <laughs> No, you know, I'm thinking now the time it'll take to get to the good part of this story okay. is too long. Because this is the first okay. time I'm telling it, so I haven't had a chance to revise it, really. Gotcha. You know, and, and shit, cut the fat. I'll tell you what, John, that has never stopped me. <laughs> yeah, that is true. You're more of a ribeye storyteller. <laughs> I'm a real I'm a real prime rib guy. I, I try to You're be. a filet. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Filet mignon. Whole... That's it, yeah. Yeah. I'll walk up a mooing cow and be like, are we going to eat this or what? Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me of, This reminds me of the first time I saw a cow. I was 5. Okay, okay. My parents were undoubtedly involved. Anyway. <laughs> should we do the should we do? I'm going to do the description. Great. Okay, so TV guy described this episode as rumors of the building going co-op escalates the hostility between the Buckmans and their British neighbors. Beautiful. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Shakespeare's that's back That's a job the really dead, well baby. done. <laughs> As evidenced by this show, I love a nice, concise summation. 
And it's so, you know, you only hear co-op really with New York real estate. That's true. And just yeah, saying, well, I like, think I think I've never had to do it elsewhere. But. Well, I've, I've had a lot of real estate deals around the country, and I can tell you from experience. <laughs> co-op is a very That's true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> no, I'm going to Robert Mueller's office on Tuesday. <laughs> I got implicated. I don't get that joke. I don't get that joke. Was he in Jungle Fever? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's the guy doing the, you know, he's investigating yeah. the, uh, yeah. In the time it took me to make that joke about me not getting it, I got it. <laughs> A lot of real estate clowns are ending up in there. That's all. Gotcha. Wow. So welcome to the podcast where John and Russ explain their jokes to each other. <laughs> this is what happens. We take an extra week between episodes and it's just like, yeah. do you know why this is funny? Why? Yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody, are you with us? <laughs> okay. So uh, no, no. So it's great. But I like how it also tells you like, this is gonna be a real New York episode. Yeah, that's true. And it is. And it is. The whole episode yeah, takes this, place in the state of New York. The, <laughs> yeah, but the specifics are very... There's a lot of very specific... There's at least yes. one. <laughs> very yeah. specific. This is the kind of description that would have really lit me up as a kid. <laughs> you, would, you would have read this and be like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, this sounds so like a good one. <laughs> that's so funny. I love that. Oh. <laughs> so I don't care what else was on TV. Because I'm definitely watching this. Yeah, but, but <laughs> what was that? For the sake of argument. Yeah. You're watching NBC. Well, we're talking about the evening of September 29th, 1994, which is when this was on. Again, it's a Thursday. And like I said, we're kind of going to run through must-see TV. Oh, yes. So this was the Mad About You was top of the block, 8 o'clock p.m., 8.30 we had uh, episode two of Friends. Don't tell me the name. Is it the okay. sonogram? Uh, yes, it is the one with the sonogram at the end. Boom! The, oh, oh boy. Okay, so I beefed. I forgot how they structured the titles. But I got yeah, the yeah. subject. I got the noun right. You did. You got you Seinfelded when you should have Friends. I did. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I cannot tell you the number of times that happens to me. <laughs> I believe it. You know, I don't have, like, a whole bunch of notes for this because, well, one thing I'll say is that I was like, let me look into what happens in this episode. And it's the one with the sonogram at the end. We see the sonogram of Ross's baby with Carol and Susan. Yep. And it is a touching moment where he says, I'm going to be a father. Yeah. And the entire episode up to that is, you know, struggles between the three of them. Between Ross and yeah, the chemistry, Carol and, Carol and yes. her new lesbian lover. Yes, trying to figure that out. But it was funny because a lot of times with this segment, I'll Google the name of the show, and maybe there'll be some sort of a Wikipedia page for the show in general, and there'll be two paragraphs, or it'll be an Entertainment Weekly thing or whatever. This episode of Friends has its own Wikipedia page. Wow, <laughs> with a full like five paragraph long episode description they almost. of all the plot points. I'm sure they do. <laughs> but yeah, we, we've wow. moved. It's like moving. This is what it is to play with the big boys. No, that's exactly. That, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Like if we were just in, like, young in a movie and we were like, oh, everyone's got a Wikipedia page. Friends has a Wikipedia, you know, and it's like, oh, big deal. We yeah. have a Wikipedia page. And I'm like, no, no, dude. No, no. Every... <laughs> 
episode has a Wikipedia yeah. page. Okay. Oh yeah. Chicka chicka. Yeah, this new movie sucks. Is actually is it's actually Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, with the Kool Aid Man. Yeah. Do you think the Kool-Aid man was the guy doing the oh yeahs in that song? I assumed. Yeah. <laughs> who is your favorite friend and who is your least favorite friend? Oh, Put I don't on the like spot. this. I, I don't. Oh, I don't like that. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> well, it's evolved over the years. Yeah, mine too. It has become Joey, I think. Me too. But when I was a kid, it was My Ross. For favorite? Yeah, it's favorite. For, for favorite. Interesting. It was Ross the whole way? Yeah, because I related to him because he was a nerd. Right. And he liked Rachel and I liked Rachel. Yep. Tell you who I've always hated, and this isn't fair. Who's that? And it's a great performance. And how dare me? Monica. <laughs> well, she... <sighs> yeah, I never... Is, is she your least favorite? Yeah. But that yeah. feels horrible to say. They're all great. But, you know, they I are. just mean on, like, a chemical level. <laughs> You're like, I look, I'm sure she's fine. I just don't like her bones. I just don't like her. No, no, yeah, something I mean, something I mean like deep, deep within me just yeah, hates like her. Like a molecular level. But, <laughs> Is that worse? Yeah, kind of, <laughs> maybe. I, I think because, uh, well, Phoebe's a real character, and then yep. Rachel's Jewish. <laughs> That's all it takes? Yeah. Well, the Gellers are Jewish. Yeah, but she doesn't feel Jewish, you know? Yeah, that's so. That's really funny. You're right, though. I do like her more for Elliot Gould. <laughs> yeah, hell yes, absolutely. This is what it's a tough question. I don't, yeah, I don't like being put on the spot. Who are yours? I don't know. I tricked you. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not answering this. For the longest time, my favorite was Chandler. Oh, brother, and... the most predictable answer <laughs> in the history of the world. Yeah, of course, of course. But it may be Joey. I mean, Joey, I, think, I don't know what it is. The older we get, the more we appreciate Joey. Joey and Phoebe are kind of where it's at on this show. They are funny. They're really committed performances. Yeah, but they The all jokes are. are all great. They all are. All these things you're saying are true about all of them. I'm that's sure that's true. That's why each episode has a Wikipedia page. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It's just, it is just about like deep, it's molecules, baby. <laughs> It's probably, yeah. You like the ones you relate to and you hate the ones you don't relate to. Yeah, I think that's and it. And I hate the, cooking. Yeah, yeah. And to that end, I hate Ross. Um, <laughs> you hate the Museum of Natural History? Well, no, here's the thing. I love, uh, I didn't love Ross at the beginning, but, you know, he's the romantic lead and he's something of a protagonist for much of the early seasons of the show. So I was just like, great. Yeah, okay. Ross, I'm on board. What they did to Ross, mm. they turned him into. The most annoying character he on television. He did get a little annoying, yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe it. The whole, I mean, the pivot stuff, and we were on a break repeating and all that stuff. I'm just like, Russ, stop it. The pivot what? thing's like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I'm over it. I'm over pivot. Oh, you're crazy. Hashtag over pivot. You need to pivot. Are you? <laughs> okay. Are you hashtag over pivot? <laughs> or are you hashtag Russ needs to pivot? <laughs> Oh, that's great. Oh, well, let us pull. know, everybody. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> how long did you watch Friends? Were you like religious to the very end? No, not at all. Yeah. When I was in high school, I missed those years. Okay. Because in the Philippines, we used to, they would bootleg them in Los Angeles and mail the tapes to 
our video rental place and then they'd rent them out to us. Wow. So we could get them like two months later. Yeah. And then in Japan, there was no way to watch it. So I would just tape whatever I got over the summer. Okay. Which is, you know, what, five right. episodes maybe? Right, right, right. Did you watch once you were back in college? Yeah, we would like get together. That's fun. Every week, you know, and do like musty TV, have a little pizza. Yeah. But not my freshman year. So, yeah, I missed like five years, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I pick them up in reruns and stuff. I know what happens. It's weird. It's one I, of those shows like where I feel like I haven't seen it, like Sex in the City too. But then mm -hmm. if anyone asks anything, I'm like, oh, yeah. You know everything? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the last like four or five seasons of the show. Like even by the time that Ross was with Emily, I was probably in and out. Yeah, same. And then after that, I just didn't see any. But it's so funny how, like, that show was everything. Yes, that show is a lot of people's Seinfeld. Yeah. Which is so yes. weird to me. I get it. it. Me feel They're both old. very, what? What does? The fact that Seinfeld was your Seinfeld and Friends wasn't your Seinfeld? Yeah. It started well, five yeah. years later. But you've got both. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's a silly question, but, I mean, Desert Island show, you have to pick between Seinfeld. the two. You pick Seinfeld. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that that's the case for me, too. It's quite a nice meat filling in the Mad About You Seinfeld sandwich of Thursday night. Disgusting. The worst, yeah, right? Okay, is this yeah. the worst? Oh, you I, know what it is? It's just a nice meat filling. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I read that last week when I read that really great. Warren Littlefield? Yeah, Warren Littlefield piece. Yeah. One of the headlines oh. was just like, I'm making this part up, but wouldn't that be great? Oh. <laughs> Wait, what, what else was on? Was Seinfeld? What Seinfeld was on? <laughs> James McMurtry from Time Magazine. <laughs> That's very good. Calls friends a delicious meat filling <laughs> in yeah. the Mad About You. writing for Time. <laughs> Which Seinfeld um, was on? Uh, the Big Salad. Really? Yeah. We're already at what is it, season five? Maybe. At um, least. Maybe at six? least. Probably past. Probably past it. Yeah. Wow. Time flies. Yeah, we're, Even we're, in the past. how many how many <laughs> how many seasons did Seinfeld go? Remind me. Nine. Nine, I think. Yeah, we don't have many more. Uh just as it was in, it's already out. Yeah. Well, no, this I think this is the last year that Mad About You is on Thursdays. Yeah. I think okay, it was one great. and done. So we're not gonna talk too much about Seinfeld after this season. Great. I think it'll probably still come up. It comes up. <laughs> it tends to. But yeah, everybody watch friends whenever you have the time. Mad about you first, then you know. Matter, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you're still hungry, <laughs> yeah. If you want something to go between those two pieces of bread, <laughs> the two different. You know how your favorite sandwiches have two different kinds of bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hashtag meat filling and chill. <laughs> Jeez, John, tell me what was in the news, please. From WNBC-TV, this is News 4 New York with Chuck Scarborough and Pat Harper. Oh, baby. Let's see. What do we got here? Dang I line. just asked you that. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. This is by Bruce Lambert. Oh, where's the date? <laughs> From rough, rough start, John. <laughs> Bruce Lambert, September 25. 1994. There we What's go. What's the headline? Neighborhood report. Upper East Side. Touch of Rashomon in a cafe battle. Ooh. The owner says his sidewalk cafe at 81st Street and 2nd Avenue operated mainly on weekends. Neighborhood critics say it was every day. 
He says there were 16 chairs. They say the number was double that. He says he scrubbed the sidewalk with ammonia and bleach. They say he poured grease in the gutter, drawing rats. He says the cafe enhanced the corner. They say it blocked pedestrians and doorways. He says it was legal. They say it violated the law. Rashomon comes to Yorkville. I'm not sure that it does. <laughs> yeah, I, it sounds like the business owner who has a business at stake is just a liar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't mean that that's not how Rashomon situations yeah, can be. Yeah, that kind of... But it, Rashomon, Rashomon is like... three people at least, right? At least, and also there's an event. Well, the event is the summer, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not an event. Oh, it is in my life, pal. <laughs> you have to pry the martini out of the margarita out of my cold dead hand. <laughs> the Upper East Side has the city's largest concentration of sidewalk cafes. Prying and- a margarita out of your dead hand. Now that's an event. <laughs> Yeah, it's like when they try to catch that grease-covered pig in whatever movie that is. <laughs> is. Is that Robin Hood or something? Is that the cartoon? I have no idea what you're talking they about. They gotta catch a little pig that's covered in like grease because it's hard to catch because it's greasy and its skin is smooth. That could be. It um, might, I think it's the Robin Hood cartoon movie. Okay, are you done googling home? <laughs> Once you've googled home, Google catching a greased pig. <laughs> Robin Hood question mark. <laughs> Oh, gosh, that's definitely going to be pornography. <laughs> Funniest Robin Hood ever. Oh, it's a Mary Melody's version. Studies in okay. philology. Do you know what philology is? It's uh, not philately. No. I do not. Me neither. Who cares? All right. Back to my story. Great. Back to your story, please. <laughs> oh, so basically this diner, the Gotham City Diner, which is no longer. Well, there's one in New Jersey. I think it's unrelated. It has gotten in trouble, and they've had the permit revoked for their patio. There were other controversies as well. There's a dispute over their paintings of nude women. Mr. Morfogan says the opposition's driving force is a group of women, some of whom told him the art was sexist. He said they picketed. But Alice Doherty, an officer of the 81st Street Block Association, I love that they have officers, and the leading foe (laughs) of the cafe said, quote, I have no problem with the art. And she said, no one picketed. Listen to this. Miss Doherty says she has tapes of death threats from Mr. Morfogan, which he denies. Uh He says she used ethnic slurs against him and his staff, which she denies. Does he deny that she has tapes? Because there's a real easy way to prove that wrong. I know. I got a question for you, Mr. Bruce Lambert. Where are the tapes? Great question. How do you write this story without the tapes? There were no tapes in Rashomon. (laughs) Yeah, that would really kill the movie. Yeah, it's a plot hole. Yeah. Well, what happened? Well, everybody interprets it and remembers it a little bit differently. But also, we have this yeah, we have, we have very this concrete, concrete evidence. evidence. <laughs> we have this objective truth. <laughs> Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Auto repair shop called Hub of Cocaine Trafficking Ring. Joseph B. Treister. September 27th, 1994. Now, wasn't there a chicken shop that we covered a little while ago that was a cocaine front? Probably, sure. You know how people say the 80s and 90s were like real cocaine times? Yes. Yeah, they were right. <laughs> the W and G auto... They're, they're not just saying. Yeah, they're not... It's not just an expression. 
it's not a uh, T-boat. Hey, it ain't just uh, something in China. I don't know that phrase, Isn't that John? an expression? Oh, hey, it ain't just uh, something in China. I don't know, but I want to make that an expression. It ain't just a T-boat. It ain't just... No, something. It ain't just a something in China. <laughs> the WG Look, man, Auto Repair I, this is, yeah. seemed like just another business in a gritty section of Long Island City, Queens, where mechanics pounded out dents and overhauled engines. But investigators said yesterday that the owner of the shop, well, let's just say Freddy... <laughs> just in case they're listening sure <laughs> had a lucrative specialty building secret compartments into ordinary ford and volvo sedans for transporting cocaine and drug money throughout the country mr freddie freddie <laughs> who is 32 years old was born in colombia and was born in colombia was arrested over the weekend along with more than 20 others suspected of cocaine trafficking bringing to a conclusion what the Drug Enforcement Administration said was its most comprehensive effort ever in this country against the leading Colombia drug cartel. Wow. I mean, I don't even know how you begin to catch an operation like this. I, I have no idea. The cars regularly travel the highways between Los Angeles and New York with as much as 200 pounds of cocaine hidden behind panels in the doors, in nooks and crannies between the back seat and the wall of the trunk, and in spaces around the dashboard. They drop off cocaine in cities along the way, but they said much of the cocaine carrying such brand names as Clinton. Ugh. Well, add that to the list. <laughs> Scorpion and 10 of diamonds was delivered in New York City, the biggest drug market in the country. We really are number one, aren't we? Ross? We're number one. We're <laughs> number one. <laughs> While large shipments of cocaine continue to be sent directly to New York in cargo containers aboard ships and airliners from Colombia, federal agents said the traffickers have increasingly been sending shipments of the drugs through Central America and across the... That feels unfair and crazy to me. It's just like, oh yeah, we hollowed out the walls and carriage and underpinnings right. of this car yeah. and we just got it packed to the gills so you look at it and it's got all this it looks fine but in reality it's got all this coke stuffed in it oh yeah well how do you bring it in oh we just got a big container yeah. pocket full of cocaine my boat yeah. <laughs> we, we, oh you line the walls of the boat no we get a box and we write cocaine on the box hey, and we put it on, look over here huh <laughs> yeah we write not cocaine on the box so that way they don't think there's cocaine in it <laughs> hey hey bobby come here it says cocaine now wait uh look at your hand you're leaning up on the box move your hand oh, oh not, not cocaine yeah, yeah. <laughs> i almost wasted everybody's time <laughs> It says Freddie charged between two and five thousand dollars to make the drug hauling modifications. That's not bad. That's not bad. So that is a lot for a car a modification. I'm that's a lot like like that's half the price of a car, probably. That is not enough to go to jail forever for. Right. That's you do true. It, you get caught once and that's yeah. it. You know, unless he's like, oh, I just thought they needed extra. You know, these are a lot of big families. They have yeah. a lot of things they're packing for their road trips. I was he making, told me. Yeah, he told me he was going to do one of those strongman competitions where he has to carry a car with his teeth. <laughs> he wanted it to be lighter. Oh, yeah. he's filling it with Coke. I was making a oh, protein. That is not OK. <laughs> yeah. Ignorance is no excuse, though. No. 
ignorance is no excuse in our fake situation forgetting about the real situation where he totally knew what he was doing and why he was doing uh, it. right 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 <laughs> <laughs> now this one this is my favorite story daylight do, 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 do. go ahead the parking angel saint of patrons by norimitsu Ooh. onishi on september 9th Nope. Oh, boy. I'm really bad at reading dates and numbers. <laughs> it's okay. You know what happened? You've, you're throwing in reading the name of the writer of the article, and it's throwing off your flow. It sure is. The angel peered down the street, a red forest of expired parking meters, and saw the agent at the end of it. It was his nemesis, a slight, smileless man who could ticket more illegally parked cars in one breathless trip than other traffic enforcement agents could all day. Quote, he goes back to his car after every trip, the angel said. He doesn't have much stamina, but boy, the damage he does in one round. Fumbling for some quarters, he hurriedly slipped one in a meter as the agent whipped out a notepad and began scribbling tickets. Quote, in three minutes, he got three cars, said David Sober, the parking angel of the Chamber of Commerce in Forest Hills, Queens. I guess I got three, too, but he had to write down a lot of information. <laughs> so what happened is in this part of queens there's a lot of tiny businesses okay little storefronts and there's not a lot of parking and a lot of these businesses are finding competition because because i guess tax benefits and see he says basically the city's helping erect malls and big box sure. shopping companies like walmart and stuff and he says you know there's about 250 small stores in this eight block area mostly longtime tenants and with a few national chains like the gap and Benetton in recent years. And okay. since the arrival, the neighborhood has grown busier and parking has grown scarcer. This guy says people come in to the shop and do some shopping, and get stuck in line, and boom, they'd be late and get a $55 ticket. Who wants to come back after that? Not me, man. So after persuading two local landlords to donate $600 each and adding $600 of its own, the chamber hired Mr. Sober. Every day except Sunday, between 11 and 5, the parking angel travels the area, dropping quarters into meters that have expired or have only a minute left. On the windshield, instead of a ticket, he leaves a note that explains the program. Isn't I that love amazing? This. My heart is full. The hiring of the parking angel may be the most quixotic attempt to hold on to shoppers with cars, <laughs> but several <laughs> other communities are reacting to the megastar's perceived threat especially in Queens and Brooklyn, where they're concentrated. The shopping district in Bay Ridge, Woo. Brooklyn along 3rd, we got Bay Ridge in the house. <laughs> along 3rd and 5th Avenues and 86th, has always felt vulnerable because of its proximity to the Verrazano Narrows Bridge and the pull of four sprawling malls on nearby Staten Island and in New Jersey. That was a very boring paragraph, and I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it's going anywhere interesting. Oh, but this is where it gets great. It gets back to It the, is very funny how sometimes I'm just like, your cadence and your reading style, yes. it sounds very exciting. Yes. But I have a hard time being like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. oh, it's there, and then they're going to go over the bridge? Sure, yeah. yeah. To, oh, oh, interesting. Okay, wow. <laughs> I, why am I having a hard time working up excitement to talk about this segment? <laughs> yeah, it's a real mind bender. <laughs> oh, so Alan J. Fromberg, a spokesman for the Department of Transportation, said yep. that the point of meters was to provide turnover, not revenue, and that the effort to make the area car friendlier may even be illegal. Can you believe this? The devil himself. What is happening? Come on, man. Leaving a meter to park past the posted limit is against the law, he said. Back on the street... 
Mr. Sober deposited another quarter, one of the 40 to 50 a day. He marked the car's tire with chalk. Quote, God's grace is limitless, the parking angel said, but ours is limited to a quarter. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt right now. Oh, I love it. Oh, but it gets, okay, so this is where it gets great. Having been given so much power so suddenly, Mr. Sober can be forgiven for pronouncing moral judgments. A few weeks ago, he said, a driver waited inside a car until the parking angel was nearby and then left without putting a quarter into the meter. Mr. Sober was astounded and became more so when he saw that the car was a 94 Cadillac. <laughs> Quote, I can't be bothered with that ilk. He said, <laughs> women stuck in beauty parlors getting their hair done. Okay. Fathers picking up their daughters from ballet class. Okay. This is great. I love that he's also the moral arbiter. Yeah. I'm not, look, I'll help everybody, but I'm not going to help everybody. He traces his moral authority to his college major, which was religious studies. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this parking angel is so fat. Uh, I love it. I'm really on board he with this. saved a woman, Miss Durso, who was getting a pedicure, and it took longer than she expected. And she says, quote, I do believe in angels. I have one tattooed on my leg. Was it him? No, wouldn't that be amazing? Did she get a parking? <laughs> Sir, let me take a picture of you so that I can get a parking <laughs> angel tattoo. Thank you for your quarter. Uh, what a good Samaritan. I love it. That's similar to the triple parking car thing from Seinfeld. A little. I do not recall. Well, I'm just saying I expect to see George being a parking angel. Sure. For money. Uh, yeah, I'm like not out of the goodness of his own heart. No, as a bad job. But which was, yes. this guy was doing it for money. He wasn't just. That's like, true. It's a gig. That's true. Yes. Yeah, he would do that for sure. Yeah. Out of desperation. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> that's all the news that's fit to print. Oh, I love it. You know, Jen, if we could talk briefly about something that Jen brought up from last week's show to me. You remember the story about the guy who left his job to Yes, work? the pothole filler. Yes, the pothole filler. Jen said, you know who that sounds like and who I thought that you and John would pick up on right away. Oh, I hate when that starts that way. I feel so stupid. No, that's not why she's doing this. I know. But you are going to feel stupid. <laughs> that's what Mark did. He quit his job and now he's working all these little jobs and he feels great. You didn't say that? I didn't say that. And I didn't say that? I didn't say that. We are oh, we are bad at this. Man. And she is good. Yeah. Yeah. Someone start your own Mad About You podcast. <laughs> I know I said it on the first episode. I'm saying it now. You could yeah. do better than us. Fix it. <laughs> Make uh, right where we've where we have gone wrong. What a simple comparison. Right? It's sitting it's looking right us, there. Yeah. It's not even like, oh well, how long has it been since we've seen Mark? Yeah, oh, one a episode. Weeks, yeah. Yeah. One episode. Yeah, he was in the last episode of last season, and then we covered last week, we covered the first oh, episode of the yeah, new season. It's like a month ago. That's true. There's no but excuse. Yeah. There's no excuse. No excuse. Wow, that's great. Well, I'm glad we yeah. have that. Me too. So yeah, now that we feel terrible about the job that we do, let's do a terrible job with this new episode. <laughs> <laughs> this new episode, which by the way, we are with our new... Um... New crew? No. Wow, I forgot his name. <laughs> Who's the old director that did them all? Barnett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Barnett new... Kelman. Yeah, David Steinberg is our new Barnett Kelman. He's just on a tear. A new Burger King. Yeah, Jewish Steve Martin is like Jewish Steve Martin every week. Taking, same, same taking guy. over, taking the mantle. Same man at the helm, and it was written by a man named Jack Burdett, 
who wrote Disorientation. Great. A favorite of mine. Also is a co-executive producer of a show called 30 Rock. Heard of it. Yes. Okay. And Unbreakable Kimmy Schmitz and The Mindy Project. Sure. And Last Man Standing with Tim Allen, which might seem like a twist, but it's not. <laughs> and Modern Family. No, he didn't co-create all these. I'm saying, but right. he's he has executive he works on them. credits. Yeah, yeah. Great news, the new show on uh, you know, whatever. Yep. That yep. Uh, our former guest on NBC that our former guest Dan Klein writes for. Mm-hmm. Watching Ellie, which I loved and no one watched. Julia Lee <laughs> Dreyfus's first sitcom after Seinfeld. Yeah, that's the one in real time, yeah. right? Just yeah. Just shoot me. Fifty-one episodes. Frasier, twenty-four episodes. Wow. I mean, this guy is <clears throat> prolific. Yeah. And one Father Dowling Mysteries. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Which would maybe be a great minisode. I was going to say, we'll have to watch that. <laughs> because, boy, do I love a good... Well, my grandmother loved Father Dowling, so that made yeah. me like it. Everybody's grandmother loved Father yeah, Dowling. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so, uh, in many ways, to me, this episode is as expansive as Disorientation was, for example. There's a lot okay. of things going on. Yes. Like, you get... 15 minutes in and you look at the time and you're like, wow, there's still yeah. 10 minutes left. Yeah. They cover a lot of ground. In this. Yeah. They go to many places, Where's but the they first start place on the, they go. They start on the couch as usual in the cold open. They're watching television and Jamie's having a snack and they kind of have a little fun, a little bit of wordless fun where they just kind of moan at each other regarding they are conveying, Hey, share that snack. And she gives him a little, and then he says, oh, that's good. She says, right? And he says, hey, give me another. And she says, no. Yeah. But they don't use any words. It's all grunts and groans and mmms. It's all done with yummy noises, basically. It almost feels like they just uh, sort of played with it until they found something on the couch. Yeah. It was fun to watch. It, it was it was fun. It was brief. Or like if Jamie was out. almost like, you know what? Just give me a plate with some food on it. Give us a TV. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. We come back from the credit sequence, and Paul is queuing up on his television. Do you see what he's? I don't see it. Do you see what he's? But doing, I hear though? it. What? What's he doing? He has hooked up. We find him when he's at the end of hooking up his boombox to the TV set. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Which is that makes such some an old, sense, like a anyway. '90s thing. To it's the poor man's like yeah amp. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a pretty sweet hack. I can I put my music to my TV. Yeah, 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 for sure. No, no, no. I can that's... play my TV through my music speakers. Okay. Higher quality. That's audio. better. <laughs> Do you see these big speakers? Well, I can put it through my television instead. Isn't that cool? No, the television. <laughs> I know. I'm saying I'm really dumb for thinking it went the other way. <laughs> I got oh, you. You like Dark Side of the Moon. Well, have you ever heard Dark Side of the Moon coming through a Zenith television? No, Russ. <laughs> He's hooking up the speakers to the TV. I know he is. Oh, my God. I'm an idiot. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Because that's a funny. Yours was funnier. Oh, God. I know you love Dark Side of the Moon. Have you ever heard it on TV? Have you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so Screw um, vinyl. If you ever heard Abbey Road on television, you have yeah. lived, baby. Oh man, side two, the medley. Yeah, just <laughs> I've got this sci-fi system. It's all about the rabbiters. Yeah, or I've got this very very tinny thing on the side of a yeah. 
of a video box <laughs> that works for nobody. So Paul is playing what he's playing through the TV boombox situation. We hear a very synthesized version of the overture from West Side Story. Oh, I didn't realize it was synthesized. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's these. They're all fake instruments. It's done on a keyboard. That being said, it's uh, and, and I'm like, I wonder why. Uh, look, the the rights must have been through the roof, and I'm sure they changed things just enough so that they didn't have to pay full price for. Or they paid rights for the music, but they did their own performance, maybe. Maybe that, but uh, it but yeah, right. Just like it. Yes, pretty close. Yeah, right from the get go, we get a West Side Story illusion. It comes back. Yes, because my first thought was like, wow, they are really playing this. They must have paid through the nose. Yeah, yeah. But then there's a reason. There is. It is intrinsic to the plot. And also, that's why I brought up Officer Selby in this very episode. I love any show that's like, okay, we're in season three. We're safe. We got a little money to play with. Let's yeah. get that West Side Story overture, baby. Do it. <laughs> Can we get Stevie Sondheim in here yeah. to write some new lyrics? <laughs> Uh, no? Okay. Well, then, do you have a bad keyboard? <laughs> I'm sure one of them was just noodling around. I'm sure. So, Paul is playing this music too loudly for his neighbors. And so, Hal comes to the door. Hal Conway. And knocks on the door. And, hey, John, we got a new Hal on our hands. Yeah, they recast, you all remember, the British Neighbors, played by Judy Geeson and Paxton Whitehead. The right. Conways. Right. Hal has been replaced by an actor named Jim Paxton. Has been replaced by an actor named Jim Piddock. Yes. And who you probably love from all those Christopher Guest movies. Yeah. But it... I also love him oh. from his appearance on Mad About You. Oh, in this episode? No. I knew he looked familiar. He was in disorientation. We've already talked about him. He was the logic professor. What is he like? Jack Burdett's like best friend or something? I guess so. Yeah. That He's back. Is He's a... wild. They probably really liked him, and then something happened with uh, they couldn't get original Hal back, or for one reason or another. And for one they brought reason him or in. another, because guess what? He does come back. Does he really? Yeah, because I was like, oh, that's Wait, weird. A, yeah, original Hal comes original back. Original Hal. Right? Yeah. Original Hal, recipe Hal. Hal one thousand comes back. Hal one thousand. <laughs> oh my god! What? I just. What if she was? Can somebody please? I don't ask a lot from you listeners, but can a rise guy or rise gal who's very good at Photoshop put Hal 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey, put the eye, that red eye on Hal, the neighbor's face, just like a two shot of the neighbors and the red eye of Hal 9000 instead? Instead of a head? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I think asking please, them to listen is more than enough. No, no. <laughs> season three. Yeah, you, we're you in guys, season three now, too. <laughs> we're giving you guys an extra week between episodes to be able to do this. <laughs> yeah, that extra week wasn't for us to work harder. No, it's for you. You all have more homework. I have a flight to Tahiti to catch, so let's... Uh... <laughs> uh, but yeah, James um, Piddock is... Uh, right, I can't believe... Yeah, he's also in everything. Yeah, IMDb he's great. IMDb is insane. Yeah, we already talked about him. We already covered him. Oh, I guess you're right. But I don't remember yeah. any of these credits. Are you sure it's the same guy? I'm sure. You could Google Jim Piddock mad about you or Jim no, Piddock you're right, disorientation. You're right, you're right. Logic yeah. professor. Yeah. Okay. 
I guess we did talk about him. Oh, he's in many more go. episodes too. Oh, is as Hal or as who? Or does he just keep as on Hal. moving around? Is so, it that strange? <laughs> so he's gonna play Hal for a little while, and then original Hal is gonna come back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's like they're gaslighting us. <laughs> He plays him till about 96, and then the old Hal comes back in 97. Wow. And he's credited in that one episode as first Hal. Stop. That's so fun. I wonder what happens. I wonder if they make a bit about it. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, they might. That's interesting. So, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, anyway. So anyway, he wants Paul to turn down their music, and Maggie is riding up in the elevator with Jamie. Maggie is mad at Jamie for not holding the door open for her. So as they are going back and forth, Paul asks if Hal's looking for a rumble, which is another West Side Story illusion. Mm -hmm. And Murray and the, what was her number? The Conways, did you say? Sophie the show dog. Yes, Sophie. What's the name of the couple? The Conways. The Conways, yes. The Conways dog, Sophie, who is a show dog, and Murray run off with each other. Now, Jen reminded me that they already, they have previous history. Yeah, they've hooked up. Yeah, they... So they continue to hook up off screen, as pointed out by Mr. Wicker. Yes, with this weird just like walk by he does. Yeah, yeah. He's going from one apartment to mm-hmm. the elevator or something like that. Says, oh, at least your dogs get along. <laughs> and they are getting along for sure. So Paul and Jamie head back into their apartment and they go to the kitchen. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. We cut to the kitchen. Paul is making a smoothie. The smoothie has coconut, orange, and banana. That sounds disgusting. And yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, and it is disgusting, as evidenced by Paul taking a sip, making a face, and then offering Jamie a smoothie that he made. Yeah. And Jamie is mad because she was trying to dry her hair. She was blow-drying her hair as Paul was using the juicer and blew the circuit. Yeah, that blows Have the you circuit. Ever ha- have you ever had a situation like that, John? Where I blew a circuit? Yeah. 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 All the time in New York living? Or is it just me all the time? Oh, it's just you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, not all the time. Like twice not ever, maybe. If you try to make toast and coffee simultaneously, my kitchen circuit will blow. Are you serious? Yeah. You're living and, this. Yeah. And it's so funny because sometimes you want to do those things together. And I will always forget that... I can't because it's just like, oh, okay, I uh, got some toast going. Okay, let's make a cup of coffee. Do, 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 do. No! And then, like, I, like, I suddenly realized. Why would you do realized, the toast first? <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know, John. I have to rethink the order in which I blow my circuit out. That you're and lying. also the way in which I tell. <laughs> well, I'm not lying. That's all. John, do you see this Bible I've got my hand on? <laughs> I'm. Yeah, a little insider info. Russ does the entire podcast under oath. <laughs> Peek behind the curtain. So we never credit our notary. <laughs> so Jamie and Paul. Paul has blown a circuit, and at this point, we learn that the building may be going co-op. I don't understand how they expect this building to go co-op if nothing ever works, right? Who says we're going co-op? I heard. I heard it around the building. From whom? We never talked to anyone. What did you say, from whom? What is it with you and a whom thing? You talk your way, I'll talk right. I talk right. We got a fun little who versus whom bit as well out of Paul and Jamie. I think about this a lot. Do you? Yeah, and I usually say whom, but I always feel like a bit of a snob. Well, you're not. It's correct. I mean, that's the most snobby way. Like, you sound like a snob. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sure that it is snobbish and or snobby. And I'm sure that that is. It's right. It's correct. Yeah. You know, I, you, what is it with you and the correct? <laughs> it came with my, it came with my, my dad. My uh, dad taught me one day. My dad, the English teacher. Russ's dad grammar story. Yeah. I think it was just, oh no, you know what? He taught me, I think he taught me either or and neither nor. Oh. If you're talking about either this or that and neither this nor that. Oh, wait, I knew that. That's obvious. Yeah. 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 Okay. And also, I think who and whom. Oh, yeah. Who and whom. He just taught me how to back my way into that, too. Back my way into it. I back my way into proper grammar all the time. Wait, what is... I actually don't know the difference between who and whom. If you would say he, you use who. I think that's it. I don't know. Uh, who I cares? forget. I'm bored. Whom cares, John? <laughs> whom cares? Very good. It's the so, attorney, anyway. It's the attorneys general of our podcast. <laughs> yes. So anyway, there, there's a slanted floor again in the kitchen, whether there is or not. And they start to talk about whether or not they would buy their apartment if it were to go co-op. Jamie never thought of this as a permanent home. Yeah, that's interesting. It makes sense. She has Connecticut roots. Mm-hmm. You know, she probably grew up in that house her whole life. Yeah. She wants yeah. to make that for her family. You have pictures in your head of what a home is and typically there's more than it's uh or at least for me yeah growing up in a house i never thought necessarily i was just like oh an apartment but then it's just like you know an apartment is for now later there will be a home and then it's just like no this is my home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean a home is it's where the heart is. is that I, that's what i like to think i was just gonna say i think a home is where the heart is so that's what we learned as here. my welcome matt likes so, to say the brits <laughs> the Brits arrive at the apartment and they are apologizing for getting off on the wrong foot. And they bring her a rose. Yes. And she's very Maggie's, because she's such a yes. sucker for these Brits. Absolutely. It's so weird. Maggie says, since we all have to live together, why not get off on the right foot? And I'm like, you don't have to live together. You live across the hall from each other. Well, they inadvertently interact a lot. Sure. They tend to. That's for sure. It seems that the Conways are presenting a, a peace offering. Yes. And Paul and Jamie head into the kitchen to get coffee and snacks. Uh, Jamie says, we have olives and mayonnaise. Paul says, honey, they're British. They eat blood pudding. I love that. That's really fun. And Jamie. This show is is very anti-British. It is definitely anti-British. It is very anti-these British people. Yeah. I would say anti-British. It's very fun. Yes. There's no way, Russ, you could exchange these specifics for another country's and then say, oh, this show's just making fun of those two people. Of these two people? (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't say, they're British. These two people eat blood pudding. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So Jamie says, I like them. Paul says, you don't like them. You can't stand it when somebody doesn't like you, which is true. Which is not true. And which is, uh, that's a, I mean, that's a big, you don't think that that's true? Definitely not. That Jamie can't stand it when people don't like her? She can't stand it when these two don't because I think she respects them and looks up to them, especially Hal's intellect. Oh. But she couldn't care less about what people think of her if she's, like, trying to get something or, like, you know, maneuvering somehow. Yeah, but, um, okay, yeah. she does it covertly maybe because she doesn't want anyone to not like her. So, you're right. I don't know. If she got busted doing one of those things and they were just, like, if she got busted scheming and then they were, like, we expected better of you. Or I didn't think that you would do this. Right. She would feel terrible. And That's she would true. want that person to like her. So, uh, but also we learned that Jamie called immigration on them. Yeah, just to check their papers. <laughs> That's intense, man. We cut back to the living room and the Conways 
are up and about scheming. Well, if we can get their co-op rights and break through the bedroom wall, we can have both. It's still all slanted. Doesn't appear slanted. I believe it is. Woo! Ooh, a twist, John. Yeah, they want that place. They want the boy, Buckman's oh boy. place bad. I'm sure. Look, more room is always a good thing. It'd be a U-shaped but... two apartment yes. unit. Yeah. So this way we can walk from this bathroom into our bathroom. <laughs> Though conceivably, I mean, make a big bathroom. Maybe you could knock down the. You could put a new door up and knock down the mm -hmm. hallway walls. I'm sure it can be done. I mean, Mr. Wicker well. is a reasonable guy. He is. He doesn't get it. Yeah, <laughs> he's very confusing in this. Uh, his decorum, his levels of decorum, are about to come into question for me. Yeah, before we get there. Yeah. Before we get there, the yeah. Oh, Jamie. So in her desire to uh, endear themselves to the Conways, she tries to force a social thing again, which makes me crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. You don't need to do this, Jamie. And they make up. The Brits don't want to hang, and they make up. I mean, we're calling them the Brits. The Conways mm -hmm. don't want to hang, and they make up. They don't make up, but they say they're going to see a movie. Chocolate Noi Bashevnya. Yeah, a new Russian, a the new hot Russian film that's out. The new hot Russian movie that everybody's talking about. Which translates they say that to that's, uh, that that means chocolate the chocolate cookie. cookie. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie has called these two the sconeheads in the past. Yes. Which is silly. It seems that they are going to go to the movies together, and nobody wants to do it. And on their way out, they are in the elevator with Mr. Wicker, and he spills the beans. Tells Hal, yeah, I, I looked into it, and you guys can knock down the wall between your apartments, is what he basically says. Yeah, he, yeah. So Paul and Jamie are very angry at this move, and Jamie says, we're not going to the movies, and Hal offers to buy their apartment from them. For he writes what down seems a number. like a lot of money. A huge amount of money. And Jamie already bought the tickets, so they're screwed. Right. So they go. They decide to go to the movies. Also, Paul doesn't even got, want to go to this movie. Right. Which is yeah. crazy. I, I, well, it's crazy, but it's also not. I. You think that Paul wants to go to a Russian movie about a cookie? I think he likes foreign film, yeah. Okay. So we cut to the movies. We cut to the <laughs> an external shot of the sign at the Cinema Village for Chocolate Noya Bechevnya. And the quote is, deliciously depressing. <laughs> By the Moscow News. Yeah, I love that. Me too. So we go into the movie theater, which is packed. So many people want to see this Russian film. I think that's now the IFC theater. Yeah, probably. That kind right? of, uh, that makes oh, sense. Oh no, Cinema Village is I, a cinema, huh? It just, it looks so Oh, you mean like literally? It, yeah, I thought literally the exterior was, but I might be wrong. No, no, I don't think it is. It's either no, its own right. thing or... It's on, yeah. um, I forget. It's on like yeah. 12th or something, maybe. Yeah. So Ira shows up at the movie theater with Sylvia Buckman. Ah, uh, yes, I found it. You found it? <laughs> what you got? Nothing. It just looks familiar now. It's on, uh, uh, you know, you know what I hate? How Instagram <laughs> doesn't, when you click on the location, it's not like a Google map where you can just move around and stuff. That's Andy what I Rooney hate. Andy is alive and well and living in New York. Yeah, anyway... <laughs> yeah, I feel like an idiot now. I'm humiliated. <laughs> You're doing just fine. So Ira shows up with Sylvia to the movie oh, theater. What a dumb move, Ira. What a dumb move. I thought you'd like to see your mom at this movie. At this foreign film, but she definitely won't like. Though she doesn't she like anything. 
she immediately sits down between Paul and Jamie. Yeah, she says starts, it'd be easier. Yeah. yeah, starts complaining, and she also brought grapes because Paul doesn't need milk duds. Did your grandma used to do that? My mom did all of these things. Your mom? Sure. Ah, yes. We would still have candy, but we would bring our own candy. I mean grapes. Grapes? No, uh, probably not. My grandmother would bring grapes sometimes. Oh, yeah, specifically oh, grapes. Yeah. That's great. But uh, yeah, of course, also just all our own. Yeah. A Ziploc bag full of popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. I brought... Not my I mom, once, though. She didn't care. But yeah. And so I, I once brought a slice of pepperoni pizza into a movie theater. Oh, which you're a nightmare. This, this is also before you... Now it's kind of regular where people will bring you that food to eat in a movie theater. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Why, I hate Alamo. I hate Nighthawk. <laughs> I'm happy that people uh, like it. I just not for me. Not for you. Uh, just watch, <laughs> shut up and watch the movie. <laughs> you gotta watch Casablanca with a bunch of hipster waiter heads bobbing up and down across the screen constantly. <laughs> you gotta. It's maddening. Oh man! So an apartment has opened up in Sylvia's building. We learn, and she says, "Wouldn't that be nice for them to move in there?" Then we cut to the bedroom where for a moment Murray is looking very forlornly at the wall and Paul and Jamie, oh, they're yelling at the wall about the offer that was made because they do not want to take it by any means. And uh, yeah, Hal yells, if you and your dog can't be quiet, I'll have to ring the landlord. Paul says, hey, ring this, pal. And then there's a weird cut. Yeah, there is. Which made me feel like they cut a line. They might have. Something might have happened. It could just be like a continuity thing. But it's three cameras, so their continuity should be perfect. It looked weird. It looked weird for a second. Yeah, it Th seemed that, like they I'll cut from a motion you to know, a non-motion. I'll bet that joke may have been punched in. Hey, ring this, pal. Meaning there's more to it? No, meaning like rather than it being, they may have come up with that earlier. And so they did that part separately and then cut to, since and then cut the rest of the scene in. I don't know what you mean, but let's keep going. Okay, great. So the walls are paper thin. The walls are paper For thin this because episode. the Conways get a phone call from a doctor and causes Maggie to scream. And Paul is mad that they're getting yeah, calls he's so merciless. late. And then this happens. That's what I'm to. I'm gonna be really upset. <laughs> Yo, hi, Ma. No, it's. I'm sure it's a great apartment, but you know what? It doesn't. It doesn't fit into our plans. We do so have plans. <laughs> you know, why don't we talk about it tomorrow? Okay. I'm saying we'll talk about it tomorrow. All right, call me. Call me tomorrow. All right. Good night. Don't answer the phone tomorrow. I think that phone call is very funny. Paul on the phone with his mother. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the tag of that don't answer the phone tomorrow yeah don't answer the phone tomorrow is so funny so yeah we learn here that jamie doesn't think of the apartment as home it's not where her memories are she says a home is where you have birthdays and thanksgivings and where you watch i love lucy yeah that really got me because i couldn't agree more jamie there you go and everywhere you look there's something to remember it's an interesting uh i mean that it's like well just remember wherever you look Sure. But it, this is where it becomes relatable. You know what I mean? This is the... Uh, I do. This is where they inject a little of that uh, real emotional stuff that makes this show better than most. There you go. And it's such and a 30-something problem or dilemma or question. It's a very specific time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in a life and in a relationship where it's just like, okay, it's the bridge between your own life, your own independent life, and the life that you grew up with, kind of. 
Yes. Because when people talk about, oh, yeah, I'm going home for the holidays. Well, you're going to your old home for the holidays. You've right. got your home. Well, that leads to what's coming up soon, which is the yeah. Thanksgiving episode where they hosted at their apartment. I can't wait. I'm so excited yeah. this is, that we're just a few weeks away. As all of this is happening, Murray escapes out the window onto the fire escape. Ugh. Where he meets up with Sophie from next door to a synth version of Tonight from West Side Story. I wrote it down because I didn't know if you were going to play it and I love it. I wasn't. It. It's great. Uh, it's a great moment. How, I mean, I, when do you get a sitcom theme song show tune mashup? Very infrequently, but this is a great one. That I, album I, has I one love... track, my friend. <laughs> that sounds like something you say about someone who's a little off. Uh, I think that album has one track. That album has one track. <laughs> or no, it means they're redundant. Oh, you know what that is? A broken record. Wow. That is the modern broken record. That <laughs> yeah. CD. Hey, guess yeah. what? That CD only has one track. Hey, John, I've got more news for you. CDs are no longer modern. <laughs> Uh, the, he's beginning the, to sound the, like a playlist that only has one track. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the brand new joke you just made is about <laughs> 10 years dated. <laughs> oh, moving on. <laughs> so the next morning, Murray and Sophie are at the foot of Paul and Jamie's bed. Yeah, a little weird. A little weird. They have snuck in. They are. <laughs> they snuck in and then went to the most public place they could find. <laughs> yeah. Tony, Tony and Maria, the dogs, are. <laughs> Hanging out with Paul and Jamie. Yeah. And uh, Jamie says maybe they're... Oh, Jamie sees the dogs and thinks that the Conways are responsible for Sophie being there. Yeah, trying to frame them for dog napping. That's so funny. And then she says it's like living next door to the Macbeths. That killed us. That also killed the audience. That's such a great line. It really is. What a good joke. (laughs) <laughs> so Paul and Jamie return Sophie to Hal and Maggie and Hal and Maggie have some news yes huh oh hi good morning oh haven't you people caused enough problems excuse me we woke up and oh, what did we do my poor baby are you alright really she's fine she's not fine she's pregnant you happy now What's the matter with you? <laughs> There's gonna be a baby. Aww. Who's excited? I'm excited. I'm excited. There's gonna be a lot of babies, probably. Probably. So, Sophie, we come back from commercial, and Sophie is looking at her door, and Murray is looking at his door. Oh. These star-crossed lovers. Oh. And somewhere, the yeah. music from somewhere yeah. is playing. It's so good. I love all of this. It's so good. And it's so funny how, like, we, we live with the song for, like, 20 seconds, 10 seconds. Yeah. And then it, like, cuts so harshly to, like, sitcom tone again. Yeah. It's very well balanced. Yeah, the dogs are sure. in their own plot, their own world. Yes. It's like, oh, yeah, well, uh, the main plot is about Paul and Jamie and the experience of being home. But the B plot is about is a West Side Story mashup between two dogs. Yeah. Like, that's such a big... <laughs> Thing for uh, this show to undertake, I feel like. Yeah. And for the actors. Yeah. And it's fully realized and earned. A hundred, a thousand percent. It's great. Just when you think Um, Maui has acted as far as a dog could go, he does an episode like this. He would have gotten the Tony. 
And Sophie's not credited on IMDb, and I really want to know who she is. You know what? We should try to dig a little bit. They're the Bogart and Bacall of uh, <laughs> their time. Oh, my gosh. So Jamie, at this point, is taping the floor out to try to create... What is she trying to create, John? Uh, she wants a, a, a living room and dining room. Right. Because right now they have a living room and a dining room, but she wants a living room, dining room or something like but that. But what she really wants is a living and dining. Well, she wants two separate rooms. Yes. She wants to split it up. There is a clear way to say it. Yes. I want a living room and a dining room. And a dining right room. Right now we yes. have a living and dining room. Yes. There you go. I was able to picture all of that perfectly. Yeah. Hey, Jamie, I got your back. Okay. <laughs> We need to talk about what they're wearing because everybody in this scene is wearing crazy things. Are they? I don't remember what anyone's well, wearing. Not necessarily crazy, just nothing is characteristic. We Everybody's wearing stuff we never see them wear, except for Paul, of course. Oh, but she's Jamie, wearing jean overalls, isn't she? No, she's wearing... Jamie is wearing a white blouse that's kind of like tied off at the waist at one side, okay. and she's got a long black skirt. That sounds just, exactly she, like Jamie. You don't think she wears jeans most of the time? No. You're nuts. <laughs> You're wrong. Paul is wearing a gray short sleeve shirt and a vest. That sounds like exactly like Paul. Yeah, yes, that one, like I said, he's wearing what you expect. Lisa is wearing a cropped t-shirt and jeans. Everyone sounds like this is what they wear. I promise you that Lisa has never Lisa would wear Lisa okay. wears coats. Lisa's Lisa an anomaly. Wears, yeah. I'll give and you Lisa. You're gonna give me more than that. Oh, are you telling me <laughs> Paul's wearing a vest? That's crazy. Can you, can you believe it? Weird, right? This is what I'm saying. That I mostly pointed out because I'm like, oh, boy, oh, boy, these two in their vests. I know, you in the vests. <laughs> so um, Sylvia is continuing to call. Uh, yes. We learn from what Paul says that it is four weeks later. So yeah. four weeks have passed. That's a big time jump for the show. Normally, that is a big time normally jump. Normally it's like four minutes or four hours. Yeah. I'm glad they included that line because especially if they were saying, don't answer the phone, your mother's going to call to his mother calling. And, you know, I would think that it was the next day. I guess what we're supposed to think is that nobody has answered the phone in that house in four weeks. Yeah, they're screening. Mm -hmm. I love how she always leaves her number. That's so funny. And so Klondike, because her phone yeah. number is Klondike 5 something something yep. something. Yep. Do you know what that is? It's the way that old phone numbers were like KL5. Yeah, you know KL? Five, five, five. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize Klondike think, was a fake exchange. Yeah. I think it might have been a real exchange. I mean, the Wikipedia page I read said fictitious phone numbers starting with 55 use the fictitious exchange named Klondike. Oh, okay. Well, then I was wrong. But that's such a fun exchange. Yeah, for sure. Oh, today we mourn all those who were alive at the time but never got to have an exchange like that. Maybe you mourn that today. I mourn that every day. <laughs> Well, it reminds me of, uh, it's Jerry, I forget who, but when they, they're asked their phone number and he's like, it's KL58383. Right. And I knew KL because K, if you look at the five on the phone. Yes. Right, JKL. Right. And I just thought they were being cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's to a real exchange. Another example, another example of cool sitcom stuff. That's... <laughs> You got Paul as James Bond, and sometimes Jerry Seinfeld would be like, hey, KL5, daddy-o. <laughs> it is. I mean, you're not changing my mind. <laughs> what do you say we dial KL5 and smoke some jazz cigarettes? <laughs> uh, 
Oh, so everyone comes over to put down contact paper? Yes, shelf paper. This is that kind of sitcom life that's so nice. Yeah. Hey, we're going to have a party. We're going to redo my house. Fran, Ira, what are you guys doing this weekend? Oh, us, we're going to buy contact paper for our friends and cousin and then going to go lay it down for them. By the way, I'm a working musician and she's a mother. (laughs) 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 To a veritable orphan. Yeah, yeah. but my two double income, no kids friends, or actually they're (laughs) single income, but my two friends can't seem to come up with any shelf paper for themselves so i'll bring it to them yeah but boy isn't it nice oh man it's that kind of sitcom cozy that you want it's to great into. for sure so lisa wants them to move so that she can buy their old place and paul says with what lisa says i'll pay you back that's oh, great lisa gets in on the whom parade which is to say she also says whom <laughs> that is what that means yeah and paul doesn't understand so yeah Murray, at this point, once Fran and Ira arrive, Murray is sad and goes to the fire escape, which now has a divider, which bums me right out. I know. So that Sophie can no longer get over. Yeah. And nor can Murray. And Paul is saying that, uh, well, what Paul says doesn't matter. <laughs> but Fran thinks that Sophie is going to have to give up her career as a show dog in order to be a mom. Oh, I love that. I missed that. That's really funny. I'm, you know, I only caught all that the second time I watched it. The first time, I completely missed this whole thing. I mean, like a Thirty Rock episode, this episode is chock full of details, full of stuff. I don't know if I was just, what I was writing or what was going on or what I was thinking about, but I was just like, I had a thought. I was like, so did Fran come over just to say we brought shelf paper and that was the only line she had? That's the only business she had in this episode. Right. But no, she also has this Sophie joke. And Ira and Lisa both want puppies. Ira says, it'll be a good mix. She's a show dog. He's a good-natured slob. It'd be like you two had kids, she says. He says that to Paul and Yeah, Jimmy. I love that. So Sylvia calls again, and they haven't answered the phone in a month. Mm-hmm. Jamie answers, and uh, she, she has this funny bit where she says, hi, Sylvia, we just walked in the door. Jamie. <laughs> that <laughs> Which was is amazing. to say, Sylvia asked, who is, who is this? this? <laughs> Oh, she's the worst. I love it. <laughs> this is where we get the little New York specific again. And maybe what? these locks exist everywhere, but they're prevalent in New York City. What's the joke? She feels that she's giving them details in the apartment that she's trying to right. get them to move into. And she goes, three locks, two medicos, very safe. <laughs> that is a very big New York specific. It is, I'm right? Sure. For those yeah. who don't know, the medico lock is that big three. It's like a, a small steel bar that slides between three holes to lock your door. It's like living in prison. Yeah, it's like three deadbolts in one, basically. <laughs> and you use it in addition to your normal deadbolt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a hell of a time in New York, yeah. wasn't it? Also, if I saw two medicos uh, on an apartment I was looking at, I'd assume that everyone gets murdered in that building constantly. Yeah, you're like, I'm not living here. Yeah, because that means one wasn't sometime. enough at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so all that being said, they agree to look at the apartment. More than reasonable. So then we, yes. So they cut to the other apartment where Sylvia is showing them around. She says you could make the second bedroom a nursery in case anybody besides Murray decides to have kids. That is some <laughs> great passive aggressive mom stuff. Oh, it's so good. Ugh. 
and they're pointing out they're coming up with reasons why they don't want to move there why they don't want to have the apartment because it's beautiful it's huge yeah yeah it's great the view is gorgeous as she said earlier she was like you can see both the river and the park which i'm is that a possible can that be done you'd know better than i would how would i know i don't know queens that's true yeah i don't Nobody even know knows. what river they're talking about uh, the east river i I'll, guess i guess so I don't know what we'll park, take their word though. for it forget what they live in queens i think i thought that they lived in manhattan no but you're probably right no no She's they live in queens, in queens. Right? yeah paul grew up in queens right 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 so paul says that the apartment doesn't feel right and sylvia backs off yeah she's understanding she's not upset and yeah that's seemingly the end of it until the very last moment where she says i'm just worried about what this is going to do to your father there's also though there's a weird line that i love and i think i get but i also don't get mm -hmm. where she talks about how it's like well when you know you know about the apartment right. you know and jamie's right. like how did you and bert know your home was right and she yeah. just goes it was 1954 people knew yeah. Which to me speaks to a certainty in the way people lived back then compared to the uneasiness we approach life with now. Right. And I think but I'm like, right about that. I think you're right. To me, though, like, I don't know. I feel like the dialogue about the 50s and or the greatest generation or are they are they the greatest generation? These two? Uh, yeah, maybe they were more, maybe more the children of the greatest generation. Right. To me... I could see Sylvia saying more like it was 1954. It didn't matter if you knew you had to do it. Sure. It was time to do it. And so you did it. You didn't have a thing. You didn't right. have to know. I think knowing this, is a luxury. Yeah. That's what I would expect for her to say. I think that's what this is. But the line you knew feel it doesn't convey that to me in and of itself somehow. It's a different way it of feels saying like, that. I think. Is it? Well, what is, I mean, what is it to know something? <laughs> I love it when we get deep into philosophy <laughs> on this Mad About You recap podcast. Truly, though, it doesn't have to be a part of a desire or a conscious like uh, if the given circumstances are such that you have no other choice. Right. Then the fact that they support is knowledge. But let's I'll, I'll make a. I hear what you're saying. Or maybe what I'm about to say will exhibit that I did not hear what you were saying. <laughs> I was not listening to what you were saying. I'm just but, imagining like, Aristotle or whoever, Sophocles, be like, all right, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I'm imagining Aristotle being like, I like Lisa, but has she ever worn something like this? <laughs> it doesn't feel like her, right? Uh, Let's talk about arranged marriages for a second. Okay. Because it feels to me like, in an arranged marriage, it's just like, because you were talking about how did you know? It's the same sort of thing. How do you know about getting married? Well, if it's an arranged marriage, the answer is just like, we knew. We didn't. We didn't know. It was time. We were told. And so we got married. You wouldn't say, you just knew. It would be like, knowing isn't an option. Knowing doesn't come into this. Knowing isn't on the table. Knowing is the only man. option because you have no other option. Okay. Okay. Well, listen. Great. We'll revisit this. <laughs> I'm sure we will. But I'm pretty sure I'm wrong, and this is purely a stupid semantic argument. But hey, what the heck? You better get your finances in order because you're going to have to register for my class. <laughs> oh, and, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm taking your class. You're taking mine, well. <laughs> Where's yours? At so CUNY? Mine's at SUNY. <laughs> that is so deep. That is. <laughs> Oh, so anyway, so we cut back to the hallway where Murray has walked to the door. 
right at the Conway's door. Walked across the hall to the Conway's door, and he lays down in front of the door. And Paul is trying to encourage him to go back into the apartment to get the mouse, the imaginary mouse that he sees. And Jamie sees Murray as laying down there as taking responsibility for his actions. Right. She's laying a lot. She's laying a lot of layers on this action of a dog. It's great. So Paul and Jamie talk about it very briefly. They knock on the door and the Conways open it. Paul and Jamie offer to pay for half of the vet bills. Which is fair. For this litter of puppies. That's a good move. For sure. So Sophie at that point runs into the Buckman's apartment with Murray and they all go in and (laughs) Paul exclaims he's exasperated with the Conways and he yells, tea and the Beatles. Ever since then, it's been nothing but trouble with you people. Again, anti-British. Anti-British. And very funny. What do you... Very funny. What do you mean, you people, Paul? So... The, you, Sophie, Helen Maggie Conway. <laughs> so Sophie... Explicitly brought us the Beatles. <laughs> so Sophie is giving birth on Paul's tan sweater in the bedroom. Yeah. It's time. It's happening. The miracle of birth. We cut later in the day, and we are still in the apartment. Oh, this moment is one of the my favorite moments in the show i think mine too i loved it so much it took my jen, brain a second jen was so mad at me for loving this moment but i love this it's moment. So old-fashioned no, yes it's so it's it, hacky is the wrong word but it is done what's happening is paul and hal are sitting on the couch <laughs> nervously paul is jittery yeah he's got his hands folded up to his lips his knees are bouncing and murray is pacing the floor He's just walking back and forth, the nervous father in the waiting room at the hospital. It's out of every, like, birth waiting room scene you've ever watched. It's so good. Including I uh, Love Lucy's. Yes. The only thing is missing cigars. The crowd eats this up with yeah. a spoon. They go crazy. This, I mean, this so do I, moment gets so long. I think it's so long because it got such a good response. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this it, whole it, scene it, is one of my favorite scenes in the show, I think. It was great. Because of it that, was great. and then the next joke is so amazing. Yes, Maggie, continuing the old-fashioned streak, Maggie leaves the bedroom and crosses to runs. the kitchen. Yes, she runs, saying, they're still coming. Has the water boiled yet? And Jamie comes out with a teacup because the water boiled because she was making tea for her. Not the traditional old boiling water <laughs> for pregnant women for whatever reason. It's amazing. But it's so good. It's so good. So Mr. Wicker comes out of the bedroom to announce there are the litter is four boys and one girl. Hooray. How about that? So we then cut to a little bit later in the night and we go into the bedroom. Oh, Sophie's thirsty. Hey, how many people have this going on? Huh? This is a pretty nice memory. A very good start. Where do you get start? Come on, what about like the time we woke up, that big snowstorm? Oh, that was terrible. No, 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 the other one. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> the New Year's Eve thing? That was fun. With the lasagna? Oh, shut up. All right. <laughs> Let me see what's... <laughs> you see what's happening here? Home. Home. Those are some big puppies. That's what Christina said. Yeah, 
They're enormous. I don't know any. Jen about pointed dogs. it out. I also knew, but yeah, they are. Well, I mean, look, Jen looked it up. Puppies take, I believe it was between 55 and 65 days is the puppy's gestational period. And also dogs are tiny. Right. So, so how big can you get uh, when you start as a molecule? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so these dogs are, these are big puppies, which is also a thing that my, like whenever I remember growing up watching birth scenes and sitcoms with my mom and whenever they have a baby, it's this baby who's. I mean, huge. Yes, that's true. A three-week-old, a month-old baby, mm -hmm. which you have to do. And my mom's just like, they're not that big. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, show. yeah, basically. That being said, Jamie thinks that this memory is a nice start. And Paul remembers a lot there. And so he kind of I agree. talks her into realizing that they are home. Oh, but also, this is one of my favorite little Jackie Mason-esque jokes. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's in the clip, Which part? right? The very last moment? No, when Jamie says, do you think they're comfortable? And Paul goes, they make a living. Oh, I I think that's in there. I'm not positive, oh. but that's a good one. Oh. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good turn of phrase for right sure. right where I want to be scratched. <laughs> and with that scratch of John, the episode proper ends. And we cut to the outro, and there's a tag of Sylvia talking to a puppy who says, what can I say? A grandchild is a grandchild. Are you serious? What? Did that happen? Yeah. It, yeah. it went to credits, it's, so then I closed it. It's buried. Where's it, a Marvel about, movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's about nine seconds, or I'll say nine. There's, there's a few seconds of regular old music with a shot of the skyline. And then Sylvia's got a puppy and she says, what can I say? A grandchild is a grandchild. Oh, man. And then it goes back to the skyline. I will have to check it out. That's great. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I like this episode. What do you think, John? I loved it. Yeah? I it's a lot of fun. ate it up with a spoon. It's good. It's, it's epic. It's hilarious. And it's moving, which is... I mean, if a sitcom could do all three of those things, I mean, my gosh. There you go. The fact that they called an episode home. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a statement. I agree. Uh, oh, Almost, what do you mean? You know, we're just like, I mean, home is a big theme. Oh, yes. It's yes. a massive theme. Sure. If you're not going to dress it up. No. At all. Right. With like, or if you're not going to call it, you know, home, uh, you know, a home with you or my home is your home. To just call it home, to say this episode is about home and it's called home. That really means something. And I feel like they honored that blanket statement of yeah. naming your episode that. They lived up to everything they wanted to. Yeah. Yes. It's This is a bad example, but it's like there's a John Lennon song called God. And it's just like, oh, boy, I was, what's that going to be like? That's a statement. And then you listen to the song and you're like, oh, man, that's one hell of a song. So I've it's just like, it. yeah, okay. It's it's good. It's mm. intense. It's mm. off his first solo album. Mm. But yeah, <laughs> great yummy noises of your own, John. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised uh, it wasn't a West Side Story illusion. Also, they kept the focus on the humans. Yeah, that is true. The show is not about the dogs. It's a B plot, but boy, is it a good one. Absolutely. And, and they become they converge. They do. The B it's satisfies a the A. Yes, because I'll tell you what, whether they are the British Conways or our heroes, the Buckmans, they all like to live in America. Okay, <laughs> by me, <laughs> in America. That is our home. Everything's Amen. free in America. 
Oh, I see what you're doing. And then there's... <laughs> well, good, because I can't remember the fourth rhyme. So, Rise Guys and Rise Gals, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You guys are the best. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead to Apple Podcasts and rate us and review us and subscribe. It's quick and it helps. And we're doing the 50 by 50 campaign still. Hashtag 50 by 50, right. which is 50 reviews by the time we get 50 reviews. That's right. We're can't getting miss. there, baby. We're getting there. And yeah, tell friends, tell enemies. John, you want to plug anything? Yeah, go to Vimeo.com slash Johnny Marbles Films with no H and watch uh, This Is That Night. New do short it. film I made. You have to do this. Please, by all means, you everybody. Must. And you must. You and, simply uh, must. <laughs> and come on out also. Sunday, March 25th, the Magnet Theater, 615. It's the Jusical Seder, an improvised musical Seder. It's going to be very silly and a lot of fun. And also, Public Pool makes up musicals every Tuesday night at the Magnet, 29th and 8th. So, yeah, come on out. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. John, what are all of our wonderful social media presences? If you want to contact us, any platform, it's always Mad About You Pod. Same on Twitter, same on Facebook. Same on email, madaboutyoupod at gmail.com. Contact us there. Tweet at us. We love hearing from everyone and engaging everyone on there. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. What a blast. And hey, guess what? We've got a theme song, and it goes like this. It's by Mr. John D. Ivy. Thank you so much, John. And we have a logo, and that was made by Mr. Nathan Diffie. You can find him on Twitter at Nathan, D-I-F-F-E-E. Thank you, Nathan. And we have carefully adjusted levels and irritating snippets that are missing from this podcast to make your listening more enjoyable. And all of that work has been done by Mr. Vuk Ivanovich. Thank you, Vuk. Thank you so much, very, Vuk. Very hard to describe that job. Succinctly. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's There's a reason why it's behind the scenes. Yeah, there's a reason why I don't know how to do it. <laughs> rise guys and rise gals thank you again for listening this has been another episode of mad about mad about you we'll talk to you again in at least a couple of weeks john you have fun sure did great me too thanks again everybody i'm russ fader i'm john marbley and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying, saying.